Hello again, this is Olive Carrollhawk with In Theory. Today, we're bringing you the second installment of my interview with co-hosts Maria Sachiko-Sasiri and Naren Khan. This is the last time we'll take a break from theory before the second season airs in March. But of course, we couldn't help getting political. In fact, Maria and Naren were so inspired by the conversation on patriotism you're about to hear that they plan to revisit it later in the season. So, as always, stay tuned. A quick warning. This episode contains profanity and may not be suitable for all audiences. Now on to the show. First of all, your celebrity obsession. <laughs> Listeners will know that there is one, but I don't know quite how deep it goes. Um, okay, so I love pop culture, and I totally associate it with the fact that like we didn't have cable when I was growing up, and I feel like my parents were like late to get us like good internet in the house, and so like I and my mom had like books on like Jackie O and like older aristocratic, you know, like 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 Elizabeth Taylor kind of people running around the house, so like. When I could start reading, I was, like, reading these, like, you know, like, celebrity memoirs, frankly. And, but I didn't have, there was no extra, like, I wasn't watching cable or whatever. So I went to college. I, like, just went crazy. I watched TV all the fucking time. So what some like, people did with booze, you did with <laughs> yes, TV. Yes, yeah, I don't drink, so I was watching television. Okay, this is so embarrassing. I stopped eating the cafeteria. I'd bring my food up to my room and watch the Cosby show over Amazing. lunch. Amazing. Like, and that has so many more implications now. But, like, I was like, yeah, like, I need to catch up. And, um, so, like, but I'd go to Blockbuster and, like, rent, like, all of a season of a show. Like, I would pay for binge-watching in a way that was, like, really, like, I was, like, working all these jobs in school. But, like, I had to go to Blockbuster and I was paying, like, $20 in one night to get all the episodes from something and watch them overnight. And now you can just do that. Okay, but also, this was, like, blogging world time, too. So I would read early Gawker, like, early everything. I used to read something called The Socialite's Life, which ended up getting, like, a lot of the, like, ads that would, like, ruin your computer. But for, like, four years, I, like, never missed a post on A Socialite's Life. Wow. And then, by the time I got to grad school, I worked with a really good friend, Adam Chandler, on a podcast called Toxic Chatter, and that was, like, true and total awesome garbage. And this was, like, peak Paris Hilton, Lindsay Lohan, Britney Spears meltdown time. So I just feel like there's a lot of really important things to say. Very. Uh, And since then, I, like, am deeply involved emotionally in the Kardashians and all such things. But I, I mean, we talked about this in our celebrity podcast. It's not even about celebrities for me. It's just about a way to access other worlds that are interesting. And so much of what I've studied in the past has been so sad. I mean, like I've done a lot of like civil liberties related work and other kinds of things and they're sad and they're serious and life is full and whole. And if you situate yourself in a world where like the sad and stressful things are all that you experience, like you have to have some sort of other outlet. 
I think it's super fun. I think there's a lot to learn, and I think there's it's much deeper, and I think that people like to point to those things as being frivolous because, like, women are interested in them and, and just, like, not important and don't matter, and I think... Uh, fuck you. Lives might yeah, like fuck you. Like you can like people don't talk about sports in that way sometimes. They're like they talk about the the part of the human condition that it reveals. They talk about motivation. They talk about triumph. They situate it in in like history, and it's you can talk about popular culture that way. Stop being dismissive dicks. Yes. Thank you. That is sexist. Thank you. Oh my god. You just have five again. <laughs> Thank okay. you. So good. Oh, so true. But I think what Naran was just saying about kind of positivity is also something that's kind of behind what we try to do because so much discussion of culture can lead down dark and heartbreaking paths. And so a lot of what we try to do, I think, is to acknowledge and recognize those truths and to think about how important it is to be woke, basically, to know what's going on in the world, but also to not just leave it there and be like, okay, everything sucks, have a nice week, see you next time, right? But rather to say, what do we do with this information? How do we help make a better change in the world? Or how do we see good versions of this around us? That kind of thing. Because it's true, I think we're both essentially optimistic people, (laughs) even though we're also both intensely aware of all of the kind of problems in our world. Disparities and inequalities that that will weigh on you. Exactly. (laughs) But I I think that, you know, I believe that the humanities and studying these kinds of theories, it's it's a profoundly uplifting and empowering kind of work to do. Um, But it can read to people, you know, who maybe don't spend as much time with it as just shitting on everything, you know, and pointing out and tearing everything down and overanalyzing it. And I, what I want us to be doing, and I know Naranda's too, is, and especially because of Naranda, she really helps me think about this, is to be thinking about how this is part of kind of a happy, celebrated life. Those are such excellent points. And I think they raise one of my favorite things about the podcast. And one of the reasons that I'm so excited to be working on this with you, which is balance. I think that there's such a balance between theory and pop culture and the two of you as co-hosts and one of the really special things about it is also that you're both women of color which I feel like is something that's almost non-existent in the podcasting world the world of radio media in general and um, I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit on that yeah yes uh, well, just my, like, many cross-cutting identities are so important to who I am. Maybe you just explain what you, yeah, like, like what come am from. I? Like, like, what am I? <laughs> so interesting. So, I'm a Muslim woman, but, uh, within Islam, there are sects and, you know, I, I'm a Shia, which is a minority. Uh, you know, my family, both my parents are from Pakistan. I guess I identify as being Pakistani-American, but... There are many different ethnicities within Pakistan. My dad is Pathan, which is like in not an ethnic minority in numbers, but in terms of representation. And so I identify really strongly with that heritage. And, you know, they speak a different language. I also speak Urdu, but, you know, like I grew up in a, you know, partially Pashto-speaking home. So that's just like a different worldview. Going back to the faith thing, I'm, I'm practicing. So that's like, a, it's actually like a, not just a cultural thing for me. It's a religion is actually a religious thing for me. I'm from Michigan, which living in New York, people talk about flyover states and they are, you know, sometimes dismissive of other parts of the U.S. And I just, I hate it. I hate like when people are dismissive of suburbia and like non-cosmopolitan life. I think it's so arrogant and silly and insulting to me personally, frankly. I went to college in Texas. I lived abroad and I'm a woman and that's a huge part of who I am. And for a long time, I wore hijab which was so important, being like an identifiable Muslim in public space, 
is a very different experience. Like now I think I could pass as lots of different things and, uh, you know, doing that from when you were eight until you were 20 is like kind of a big deal. So uh, yeah, those are my many cross cutting cleavages of my identity. Yeah. So huge. And, and I feel like I learned so much every time I talk to you because it's just such a, you know, I feel that way about you. And, I mean, we were talking about this before. Like I think we're both really patriotic people. But in a different way than what we kind of typically imagine patriotism to look like. We so both profoundly believe in this dream of an America where people come from all different backgrounds and can be country music loving, you know, (laughs) rural or suburban American in like the deepest, truest way because it, you know, really resonates with our experience. Totally true. So I'm Japanese, Italian. My mom's Japanese. My dad's like New York, Italian, American um, of, of many generations from like Brooklyn and then Long Island. And my mom grew up in Japan. And then I grew up in Virginia, in Southern Virginia, where there were not a lot. My, my family, my siblings, <laughs> are my ethnic group. Yeah. Um, and so that's kind of what I knew growing up. And a lot of who I am is so informed by being this kind of hybrid identity in a place where you were either black or white. Because um, it was a you know, very large African-American as well as you know, white population where I grew up. And I was raised Roman Catholic in a place where very few people were Catholic. I was very Catholic. I am not very Catholic now, although a lot of that cultural stuff is still with me. Um, and, and also my family was very, very conservative, is very conservative. Um, politically. Politically conservative. And I was also when I was younger. So although a lot of my views have changed dramatically, um, I very much respect these people in my family and what they think and where they're coming from. And I also find a lot of the discourse that just dismisses conservative thought as uneducated, as problematic. Um, I think there's definitely a segment of, of conservative thought that comes out of lack of information, but I don't think that's everybody by any stretch of the imagination. Um, And so I think for both of us, being kind of visually symbols of this kind of lefty, multicultural America, but then also having these deep roots and kind of this traditional idea of America um, makes us kind of interesting people. And it's always really fun to talk about these things, uh, like all these different cultural topics that we talk about um, with this variety of perspectives on them. Mm -hmm. Being women of color, defined broadly, together you know, there's certain aspects of our lived experiences that kind of overlap, despite we just described two totally different things. Mm-hmm. We have this overlap, so, you know, we like to talk about it and kind of tease it out and see how our experiences are similar or different. And that thing in particular, I think, is core to how we think about the world. conversation with you I kind of want to know what you think about I know I'm like can you just like please weigh in (laughs) yeah absolutely I mean we're all from what you described earlier as flyover states and um (laughs) in Iowa you know I'm a queer woman and I feel like there's just no representation of that you know I grew up Mm. in a liberal town for Iowa and you know shout out to Iowa City I am so (laughs) proud of my so proud of my Iowan background but at the same time I don't think I would ever live there again yeah just because 
it can be so difficult to um, to sort of navigate a space. And every time I go home and visit my dad, who still lives in a different town in Iowa, he lives in Cedar Rapids, which has these, it is called the City of Five Smells, because they have a Purina Catchaw factory, a Quaker Oats factory, <laughs> and then, you know, a few other factories. And so there are always different smells on different days. That is so Who fascinating. Knew? Who knew? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess just sort of thinking about patriotism and patriotism in different contexts and trying to figure out how to navigate you know the space between what you're from and what you were told and what you want to believe and still trying to remain positive it can mm-hmm. be so hard definitely and like the dream of america which i feel like is such a powerful dream in so many ways but then there's so many different aspects of it because there's the one the white picket fence version of that which um, in and of itself is not a problem, but that the kind of the way that fence can often be used to kind of hold people out yes. and define yeah. what gets to be on the inside. As you know from our country music episode, we're both enormous cheese balls, um, and I really do believe that there's still space for kind of transforming the idea of America in the direction of you know queer women from Iowa and Muslim women from Michigan. <laughs> you know that all of this can be part of the the dream, um, but I get scared about it. Yeah, and I think that something about the American dream and our vision of America is that it's national, but it's also so individual. Mm. And I'm wondering, you know, what your independent visions of America are and how you sort of exercise patriotism. It's interesting. So, like, on Veterans Day, I called my grandfather to thank him for his service in the Korean War. And I was really embarrassed to do it because that's like kind of not the vibe of my social group but also it's true he went to war to something that he didn't know if he would come back alive and for what he believed to be a higher purpose and I'm really grateful for that and he was so I'm like old but he was so happy for me to call you know and I feel like so often our, like, like kind of the way we imagine what it means to be American can be so polarizing, but I think you can be someone who's, you know, a super LGBTQ rights fanatic, super feminist, super all about multiculturalism, but also respect the kind of choices and sacrifices that other people have made. Yeah. And I try to live that out as best I can. <laughs> yeah. That's beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. I don't know, what's your individual patriotism vibe? I just, I fucking love love America. (laughs) I love America so so fucking much. It is the best place on earth. We have challenges, but like, okay, first of all, we have fast food chains, which you know I love. Drive through Starbucks is the best. Yes, yeah. And like, where was, where was Amazon Prime Video and Netflix and HBO (laughs) Now created? Yeah. Here. (laughs) <laughs> Wait, so when we lived in England did you ever get pushback on, Amer- being, on being American yeah all the time but I don't care so what it's did so you say great. when people were in my head I was like fuck you America's the best that's so bad <laughs> I'm just kidding but I'm not kidding no but like look really and truly in Pakistan my family is unsafe other places we are unsafe we, I can't I could never live right so it's like I love it I, I'm joking about this other stuff but, I mean, like, what is a just world? A just world is a place where you you feel like you have a physical security, emotional security. You have the ability to support yourself. 
you have a just society with rule of law, you have equal opportunity for different kinds of people. Yes, we mess that up in a lot of ways, but on the spectrum of all of humanity and all of time and all of places, even now, we do pretty well. It doesn't mean we shouldn't continue to strive, but I am, I love America. <laughs> this is awesome. Yeah, so there we go. Do you have hope for the future of America? You know, we're at a time where so many things are being called into question for better or worse. Like, where? what do you think is going to happen? I can tell you what I hope is going to happen. Yeah. So this is what um, we said at the end of the, the Women on the Internet podcast regarding the kind of horrible backlash against women anytime they open their mouths anywhere in public. And a friend of mine had said... This seems to be the last dying gasp of a world that's changing forever in a direction that we'd like to see it going. And I would like to hope (laughs) that a lot of these things that we're seeing, this outrageous backlash against people of color, against queer people, against women, reproductive rights. And what I'm really hoping is that, you know, often it seems to be very vocal minorities Um, and in the middle, there's a lot more shared ground. Um, and a lot of this stuff is generational. Um, so what I'm hoping is that a lot of this misinformed mania is the last dying gasp of a world that's changing forever. That's what I hope. (laughs) Like, I don't know. Do you think that sounds crazy? I think that sounds beautiful. (laughs) Like, let's hope that's what it is. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing, you know, you asked me in the very beginning of this, whether or not the podcast feels like a conversation that you have in college and, you know, hopefully, but (laughs) so many of the conversations I find myself having with my peers are infused with this kind of pessimism, you know, that, that doesn't create a space for hope or a space for positivity or a space for, fuck, America's incredible in a lot of ways yeah. and yeah you know how how do you create that space i think that's helpful i think being cheese balls helps yeah super cheesy oh my god are you kidding basically when i'm trying to deal with the fact that i'm a literature professor in a world where there's so much wrong with the world and that i work on children's fantasy literature at a time when there's like human trafficking happening you know this like tortures me of course yeah. i think at the end of the day there has to be this idea of there are things that keep us alive and there are things that make life worth living. And I really believe in the things that make life worth living and that I, I think it's important work to continue to spread those things and to acknowledge them and that the search for beauty and kind of connection and those kinds of things are just as, as embarrassing and cheesy as they seem to talk about are profoundly important in making the world a place that's habitable and worth saving for each other. Oh my god, that's so beautiful, yes. Oh, get out, you know, <laughs> you're part of it. <laughs> what are you most excited about doing with a podcast? That's a good question. <laughs> or where would you like to see the podcast go? I'm really excited about the idea of calling in other people and bringing in other 
other sort of expert opinions or friend opinions, you know, I, I think that that'll be a really great facet to the podcast. And I'm just really looking forward to working with you also, you know. I'm excited with the clarity of vision I think that we now have. I think it really was a work in progress this last year in the best way possible. You want to be experimental. You don't want to be overly prescriptive. You don't know where things go. But, you know, getting the tech stuff down pat and really, like, looking at the season as a whole, topically, I'm super psyched about the topics. And I'm really excited to kind of, like, dig in deep and learn about stuff. We didn't pick things that we're both experts at yet. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we'll be experts at them by the end. But we will, I learn. And, like, that's just, like, life is a life is a journey. Super cheesy. We told you we're cheesy. And I'm not in school anymore. And neither are you. Well, so yeah, like it's an opportunity, like so many of life's opportunities to like grow, grow oneself. And I hope that we really develop a community around this, like that I'm really psyched about. And we already are getting the sense that there's folks with whom this resonates. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to cultivate a community where these folks can contribute and think about these things in a way as like grownups. Totally. And kids. We've already had some of that. Really fun to see like people tweeting at us or sending us their Halloween pictures based on our Halloween post. Um, I actually met someone at a conference the other day where she said, are you on the In Theory podcast? I was like, ah, you know what it is? Because she saw the Experimental Humanity sticker on my uh, on my computer. Um, so, and I, took, I had to take a selfie with her. Um, I loved it. So, so, yeah, like, I mean, just starting to find other people who are interested in these kinds of questions and conversations and get them involved. We've already had some people use some of our podcasts in, in their classes um, at Davidson College, Annalisa Shroud, hey girl, um, you know, and, and to think about how this work that we're doing here can be part of just a bigger conversation. Yeah. Yay. Yay. Thank you. Thanks, Olive. So this fun. So fun. Questions, comments, ideas, we'd love to hear from you at intheorypodcast at gmail.com. You can also find past podcasts and more info about us at intheory.us. Please subscribe to us on iTunes and recommend us to any and all of your friends. In Theory is produced with the support of Experimental Humanities and Human Rights Radio at Bard College. Music composition and art design by the awesome Aaron Taylor Waldman. Thanks so much for listening.